listening to Season 2 of fit to be Radio, a production of fit to be Studio, which specializes in home workouts and e-courses online for those dealing with diastasis recti. Our goal this season is to connect the dots between fitness and other psychosocial dimensions of wellness. So hey, strap on your sneakers and take us for a walk while we talk, or just grab your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch while you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Fit to Be Radio. My name is Chris Banky and I'll be your host today. I've got with me joining, of course, Beth Learn, the CEO and founder of Fit to Be Studio. Beth, how you doing? Awesome. Good. Good. Awesome. It's good to have you. And also we've got with us Munira Houdani, uh, who's a pelvic health physiotherapist. She's got a master's in science and physical rehabilitation. She's also been the director of the pelvic health program at the Bosner Center for Health in Toronto. She has got a ton of experience with diastases or diastasis. And of course, that means that we want to talk to her. Um, and we want to talk a little bit about... Um, you know, exercise and how it ties in and some different things we were talking about in the pre-show. I'm excited to get to that. But before we do, Munira, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? Oh, it is my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I am doing great. Thank you. Awesome. Now, we always ask this, where in the world are you coming to us from now on this recording? Okay, right now I am in a remote town in northern Alberta. It's called East River. It's a small town of 7,000 people. Moved here at the beginning of the year. Um, Complete change in lifestyle from my busy uh, center of Toronto (laughs) chaos. Um, And so now we're just living in a really small town. And um, it's actually been amazing this year to be here. Yeah. Although some people... We're in the middle of COVID, so some people said yeah. we took isolation to the extreme. But <laughs> this was, this was so, what normal. what took you what took you to a remote, um, you know, outpost of some Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, my husband has had a really great job opportunity. Okay. And um, it was just one that we just we couldn't give up, and we were really just looking forward also to a, a different way of living and a change in pace, a slower lifestyle. And yeah. I could say it's really suited us. I've loved the busyness as well and the energy and the vibe of a big city, but I have certainly been enjoying a slower paced, quiet community. So you're liking it so far. You're, you said you, you're in there about uh, just about a year. Yeah. So January of this year. So okay. about 10 months. Yeah. Great. That's fantastic. Well, <laughs> Beth, you know, Beth is, she's coming from a small town just outside of Portland in Washington. And I'm in a smallish town too in central Oregon. So we're kind of okay. spread around. Yeah, yeah, great. So it's it's interesting. You know, we've been doing this podcast now for a few years and we've been recording video versions of it. So if you're listening to this on the Apple platform or Google and you didn't know there was a video version, you should pop over to our website. And we actually do a Zoom call version of this. And we were doing it before COVID, before it was cool to record every Zoom call. So we were cutting edge um, with the... <laughs> the video recording stuff, weren't we, Beth? So cutting edge. (laughs) We have always been ahead of our time to the point where, like, finding the right technology to do what we're doing has been difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You know how that feels, Manira. (laughs) So cutting edge, cutting edge. And one thing that I wish wasn't cutting edge but is cutting edge is actually this topic that we're all – um, talking about today and familiar with, which, which is actually the diastases or the diastasis 
um, that really shouldn't be cutting edge, but actually it seems like in a lot in the, in the physical therapist and in the training and even in the medical community, it's not really widely known. Um, but Beth is an expert. Manir is an expert. So, um, today we really wanted to dig into, and I think we should start off just talking about, um, you know, exercise and how it ties in. And that might seem like, well, aren't you guys always talking about exercise and how's it tie, how it ties in? And I guess my answer to that would be, well, kind of, but uh, it's just one of the things you can't talk about enough. And there's something that you guys were mentioning on the pre-show that I want to start us off with, which is sometimes um, because of fear, in order to make things safe, we just get so safe that we just safe ourselves right to doing nothing. And that really isn't safe. Uh, I mean, it seems like that might be the safest, the least chance of injury to do absolutely nothing. Um, but it's really not. And I'd love if you guys would start off and just kind of talk about uh, at a high level, this concept of safe with regards to diastases and exercise and how those things all fit together. Yeah, I especially want to hear from Manira about why diastasis is not a death sentence to the things that we love doing, the things that we want to do, the movements that we love, yeah. the activities that we love, because um, as the mainstream world finds out about diastases, and I can relate to this, their first instinct is to stop everything, stop the presses, stop, stop the, all the things. And there may be a season for that, but that's not the end goal. And so I just want to hear Manira's heart for this because, wow, she has such great content, such a great course that talks about this. So Manira, take it away. Mm, okay. Yeah, it, it is. A, it sounds simple, but it's actually a bit of a loaded question because there's a, there's a okay. lot to, to what we're doing now um, in our approach to diastasis, how we're managing it. And that's where this whole exercise piece comes in and, and how our views of exercise exercising if you have diastasis, how our views around that have actually changed over probably the past decade and mm -hmm. probably more so in the past five years and, and more recently than that. So, um, you know, exercise overall obviously is a really, really important part of the, the rehabilitation and the regaining of the strength function and integrity of the abdominal wall and the core function. But the thing is with exercise and diastasis, there is a little bit of almost stigma and worry behind it. And the reason why there is a lot of this worry behind exercise is because it was once believed that doing too much would actually create further injury to the linea alba and further injury to the core. So it was more or less a better idea to restrict what you do, protect your core and very and move very cautiously and in, in, in a very guarded way. And, mm -hmm. you know, these concepts are, are great and applicable for some individuals where, yes, we, we do want to, you know, really with the overall goal in mind, strengthen up the abdominal wall, but not everybody is ready for intense exercises for the core. And the, there's a place and time in depending on where someone is in their own journey and starting point, what they're starting with, the kinds of exercises we do will be different. So if they're starting 
just at the beginning of their diastasis journey, they're just learning about this condition that they have. Um, and they're newly postpartum, it would be something that we would start off with where we're talking about just the connection style exercises, postural awareness, breath, connecting to these muscles that, you know, of the abdominal wall where they, they were stretched out in pregnancy and everything was stretched out in pregnancy. So trying to get connected to these muscles again afterwards is so important. And so because these exercises are a little bit more gentle in nature, it almost makes people afraid to do more than that as well, because they, they get comfortable in that. But then there's the fear behind, okay, now if I do more than these, it will make things worse or so that or that's what I believe or have been told. So at the beginning, there is a point in time to really use exercise in a way that helps one redevelop that sense of awareness to their, their core. There's a point in time. And I do that with every one of my patients regardless. And now it's about how, what do we do after that? Once they have that down now, what is the next step? And that's where I find a lot of people get confused. How do we go from that to what we normally consider exercise when we, we think of exercise for the core we're thinking of you know planks and and crunches and russian twists and exercise you know the other stuff is typically falling in the realm of rehabilitation and retraining of muscles so how do we go from year to year and how do we do that now when too many people are afraid of that so mm -hmm. the 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 trouble right now is because there's so much fear behind be going beyond these early level beginner stages of exercise that it really people will get to a certain point in their own core recovery and it will just lead to a little bit of a plateau or a standstill in their progress and it's because now they're not loading enough so we do need to sort of transition from all the stuff that we've now built as a foundation into progressively loading those tissues. And there's a lot of confusion around how to load muscles, how to load connective tissue, and how much is needed and required in order to make those structural changes and adaptations to the actual muscles and tissues, which actually is a lot more than what we most of us are currently even doing. So there, there is there is a point in time where if we don't progress beyond the early level stuff, then we may not see additional changes in the core. And right. so by doing it gradually, step by step, little by little, watching the core, observing what the core is doing, how it's handling it, watching the linea alba, watching the whole abdomen, watching the form, watching the technique, watching the strategy that they're doing, just by observing the whole person, the whole picture, we can then take that information and use it to guide us in the next step with them. Okay, let's now try this. This looks easy for you. You look like you're managing things well, let's try this next thing. Mm -hmm. And that's the way to keep moving things forward. That's a way to just sort of bridge the gap between simply activating the TA versus strengthening the TA because those are two very mm -hmm. different, I guess, phases in, in the journey, strengthening versus just activating. And just like bending the elbow isn't enough to strengthen the biceps. We do need to do more than activating the TA to strengthen the TA. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to press into that a little bit, actually. Um, and I think 
I'm thinking we should, we let's break this into two groups of women. Now, obviously there's not two groups. There's infinite groups. Everybody's slightly different on a different journey, but for purposes of this question, let's just lump everyone into two groups. There's the group that is um, afraid to progress. Yeah. And so they're not progressing enough. Yes. And then there's the group that's afraid of not progressing enough and they're, right. they're going too fast. Right. So right. both of you guys have That's a lot right. of experience. I'd love to hear from both of you guys. Like, how do you approach um, this with these two different groups of women? And again, I, I, I just want to say there's everybody in between as well. It's just for purposes of this, like these the person that's afraid and they're really not get going anywhere. And then there's a person that so wants to go somewhere that they're headed towards injury. Mm-hmm. How do you approach that? What's your advice to those different people? Well, on fit to be, you know, we have people using an online platform with hundreds of workout videos. So we've done our best to break it into these sections. We mm-hmm. want every single person who comes through our doors to start with some basics. We call those the foundational five, which if you're listening to this in 2020, we're planning, I'm planning to have us update those because it's time to give those some fresh language, um, you know, better audio, better video. We've come a long better way video. since we made those, yes. right? <laughs> Just um, throwing that in there. For improvement, right? We're going to progress. Um, and and we have them go through that because we want to make sure that we're all on the same page and that they understand the cue because people find our style of fitness when they're searching for fitness, for mummy tummy. I mean, there's all kinds of strange keywords that we get as people find us. Um, diastases, workouts, stuff like that. Or maybe they're just searching for home fitness and that's how they find us. They may not even know about diastases. So we want to, especially if they're postpartum, which that's our niche, make them aware of it make sure that they know that there's resources and physical therapy available to them, plug them into those resources. And we use those early videos to do that. And then my goal is always to get them into the other workouts. What I find interesting is exactly what Manira said, which is sometimes they get comfortable. Oftentimes they get comfortable with those basics and they start to overthink them and, and they start to park on those and get nervous about moving forward. And like Chris said, now you have this other crowd that's like, I don't need no thinking basics. Give me your challenging stuff. And, and they'll just jump way ahead. And of course, even then I'm signposting them, hey, if you notice this while you're doing this move, if, you're no, if you notice heaviness or bulging or tensing or doming in your core, or you, you find yourself holding your breath while you're doing this exercise instead of fluidly breathing, I say a lot of things like that in every single workout as a way to say, hey, um, right. if this happens, then, then, then you may need additional resources and you may want to call up your local physical therapist it's such a simple thing to do but like chris has established people get stuck even on fit to be where we're signposting people to all the things and being very clear people get stuck in their own head so now i'm going to turn it back to manera what do you do as a physical therapist with somebody who comes to you and they're like okay i've done the basics i'm just too nervous to move ahead yeah yeah So in that particular scenario, it is, it is about educating the importance of strengthening and educating on what it's going to do for them and what they're, what they can achieve with what they're currently doing in their program and Mm -hmm. going back to what their goals are and 
most often the goals are either about I want to become stronger, I want to be able to get back to doing whichever ex exercise that they were doing before, or I want to have my stomach look different, I want to feel better about my core. So there, there's a gap between what they're currently doing and where they want to be. And so it's about just guiding them and educating them about the process of how that's going to look, what it's going to mm -hmm. look like to get them there. And now that you've already developed this wonderful foundation, now we can take those amazing skills that you've learned yeah. and utilize them as we now progress forward. Cause we can't stay in this one bubble forever um, it, because the body is designed to move. And just like when you feel weak in your legs, you you go and, and you build them up and you become stronger by doing mm -hmm. exercises that are, you do what you can do right now. And then as soon as that gets easier, you, you do something that's a bit harder than that. And as soon as that gets easier, you move on to something that's even harder than that. So it's about progressively challenging, progressively loading. And so that's what this step step-by-step -step process looks like. Okay, so we take what you are doing right now, we assess what you're capable of doing, and we go mm -hmm. in and and work at it from there. And we work at mm -hmm. it from different angles. We don't just do one kind of exercise. We work on all yeah. of the different muscles of the abdominal wall because they were all affected in the pregnancy. And so we want to work the TA. We want to strengthen the TA. We want to work the obliques and we want to work the rectus abdominis. That muscle is really what accounts for most of the stretching and the distension that we see postpartum. It's the muscle that gets stretched the most in pregnancy, 115% greater length in pregnancy. It expands that much more. So afterwards, what we see with that sort of roundedness, distension, the mummy pooch is actually a thinning, the, remain, the remaining laxity and thinning of the rectus abdominis muscle in the front, as well as some of that is the linea alba right in the center. So we want to work all of these muscles and we can't do that if we're just working on breathing. We have to start incorporating more things. And so then we've got these layers of connective tissue that surround the rectus abdominis that come off of the obliques that then form the linea alba. And so by working the muscles, we can start loading the muscles, which can then load the rectus sheets, the connective tissue layers, which then influence the linea alba. So by working the muscles and strengthening them, we actually have a way in to helping the linea alba. In addition, as a bonus, we actually get strength built up in the muscles, integrity built up in the abdominal wall. And so the linea alba is just this sort of receiver of inputs from everything else around mm -hmm. it. And to work at it, to make improvements and changes in that, we almost need to look outside of that. Now, you said something just a little bit ago that really got my wheels turning. Um, you were talking about how, you know, we can't just park on breathing exercises. I 100% agree. Um, you know, we want to take those breathing strategies Move. and then integrate them into loaded work. We know that fascia, your connective tissue, i.e. your linea alba, which is that part that holds the two sides of your abs together, putting it in super layman's terms. We know now that fascia can respond. It can regain function. It is, it's, Sometimes surgery may be warranted, nothing against that. If you have gone through physical therapy, if there's other extenuating circumstances, or if you just need it for your mental health, that is fine. 
we we know though that that load and load under length, lengthening loads and balancing loads, that's the stuff that makes your bones and fascia really, really, really happy. And but you said something about um progressing or not progressing, but you said it in a way, and this is but this is what my brain came up with. <laughs> what happens? What happens? If somebody doesn't progress, if they just stay in one spot, does that actually become detrimental? Does it become an issue of stagnancy where they actually end up going backward because they're not moving forward? Oh, so many things. Yeah, so many things to consider if that's if that's the predicament someone finds themselves in, if they're not progressing and they're only doing simple, gentle exercises, well depending on how strong they are to begin with, because everybody does have their own starting point. And some, some people will actually have a certain level of tone still in their, their, their muscles, even after pregnancy. And some people will have just a, just a lot of atrophy of the muscles, a lot of thinning. So depending on what they're starting with, it's quite possible that if they don't do more than the, the current strength that they have in those mm -hmm. muscles, can be reduced over time because mm. those muscles do need more to at least maintain that certain level of tone and, and strength that they currently have. And also that could be related to what they were doing before pregnancy. Um, but yes, it's possible that they do become more weaker and more atrophied over time. And mm. it's also possible that if they, they don't progress that, you know, going back to the connective tissue piece, really, we may not see any further changes in the appearance of the, the core of the abdominal wall if they're not progressing. So we, they, if they do not progress their exercises, they may not see a further progression or change in the actual function and appearance of their core as well. So, but it, right. in terms of being detrimental, we don't really have any long-term studies, long-term follow-up studies for those who have, let's say, distension and diastasis and what that leads to, what that later on, you know, 10 years, 20 years later, there have been some associations between having, a very weak associations between having um, diastasis and prolapse, but really weak associations in terms of the studies, weak correlations, inconclusive correlations between that and low back pain and inconclusive correlations between that and pelvic floor dysfunction. And I know that there, there is some unpublished research that I believe you're going to, yes. And I'm super <laughs> excited to dive into that regarding low back pain and pelvic floor dysfunction. So in terms of long-term um, outlook, is it detrimental? Yeah. I don't know if, if we can say it's detrimental, but what we can certainly appreciate is that they may not get further changes and improvement mm -hmm. in, towards their goals. And then, you know, Chris earlier asked, <clears throat> so we, we addressed kind of the first part of his question, which was you have these two people, these two groups of people for all intents and purposes of this conversation. You have those who are parked in the safe camp yeah. And, and fit to be, you know, we provide what's called tummy safe fitness, not because we're not working the core, but because we are offering cues and strategies that are specifically designed to protect and progress cores that have been through a lot, cores that are dealing with diastases and hernia and prolapse and all the things, right? So then you have this other camp 
that is like, um, has no concept of being safe, has no concept of going slow. Um, right. I can relate to that as well. Yes, yes. And, um, <laughs> and, and that tends to fall into that mainstream fitness industry. Um, I know Brie Battle calls it female athlete brain. We've had her on our show, yeah. Um, yeah. male athlete brain as well. Um, and so what, what would you, what, what's the thing that you want the mainstream fitness industry to know about dealing with diastases in terms of um, slowing down and, and progression and encountering some of that all or nothing, go big or go home, fall to the wall, all that. Right. So I, I think it is because I think, you, you know, just to also appreciate that we had these two camps and just like Chris said, there's also everybody in between. And so in, in some cases, we will have, you know, the individual that has more of that determined uh, outlook and determined attitude about this, and they, they want to just do everything they can. And so it's all it's like this willpower that they have to just kind of do everything. Um, and so that means to participate in any exercise that feels like they're working their muscles, that makes them feel like they're challenging themselves and they, they get that sort of, um, that sense of satisfaction in doing those heavier load exercises. So what I would say for those types of, like if, if someone finds themselves in, a, in, in that sort of situation where they just wanna do so everything they can, then, I would say, let's see what you can do right now. And let's see from it it really like it just always comes down to assess what you can do right now. And let's move on from that. And my approach is to get them as quickly as possible onto the next level. So I don't really hold them in, in one level of exercise. If they are demonstrating they're doing it well, then I move them on right to the next level because I want them to progress and get stronger. Mm -hmm. And so in, in, most of the time, most of the time, what I see is actually people can get stronger faster than what I used to do. I, I, I certainly was holding, I feel I was holding my own patients back, but now I've realized, okay, I know what I'm looking for. I know what we need to do. And I know what it takes to load the tissues and the muscles. And so I try to get them there as, as fast as I can, but without sacrificing the, you know, the yeah. form, the quality, the, the pressure management, and, um, you know, the, if they're having pain, we won't, we certainly are going to adjust things. If they're leaking, we're going to mm-hmm. adjust things. So I kind of have this list of criteria that regardless of where they're at in the spectrum, whether they're sort of an athlete brain or they just, you know, they're still in more of the beginner level exercises, but they want to do more, but they don't want to, and they don't know how to go about doing. And then everybody in between, I, I just sort of use this kind of checklist or criteria and then I know they're ready to do more. And if they they, and we'll talk about those. And and so, but as soon as they're they're like, okay, no, I feel pain, then I'll, I'll adjust things. If I see a lot of doming, then I'll adjust it. So, I have this kind of acronym. It's uh, like P L P C C D E F. Like there's eight, seven or eight things that I'm looking for. So, P L P like, do they have any pre- like? pressure. Okay. So pressure in terms mm-hmm. of vaginal pressure, prolapse, do, is it worsening mm-hmm. their prolapse conditions? Are they leaking the next P? Are yeah. they, are they having any pain in their body? It doesn't have to be in their core. Are, are they having pain in yeah. their back, in their neck, their shoulders, you know, depending on certain exercises that could produce other things. And we want to adjust how we're doing it so that they're not having pain. We certainly don't want to 
create a situation where now right. they have a new problem because we're doing exercise. Right. So really looking around the pain um, and working around that. And do they have control over their body and control over their core? And this is especially relevant mm -hmm. when we're doing, when we're moving someone from um, early rehab style exercises to more difficult exercises, but also mm -hmm. when we're doing difficult exercises and potentially progressing onto the next one, do they have control over what they're doing or is the exercise just way too hard and difficult or after one repetition, they feel like they've just collapsed in their body. It's just too difficult or they lose their core engagement. And so do they have control over that? Do they do they do the exercise with the right core strategy? Because for the most part, in retraining the abdominal wall, we have we'll see all different sorts of things. People will try to engage their TA, and it all comes from the upper abdominal and the obliques, or it, they could be pushing out or bearing down. Like there's so many things that people can yeah. do. So are they doing it with a, the a strategy that promotes drawing in of the abdomen where they can contain pressure if it's there and you know sort of balanced where one area is not overtaking the other the upper or the middle abdomen isn't cinching inwards where the lower abdomen is bulging like is everything just coming in yep. uniformly that's sort of what i mean by core strategy are and that thing right now as you're talking what's that <laughs> Oh, yeah. I know you're practicing as you're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then are they doing um, like that was PLPCC and then DEF, D-E-F. So D, doming. Doming is this mm. other huge uh, can of worms because the concept of doming has also become an issue uh, and, and a topic of fear as well around uh, seeing doming and, and what that means. And so mm -hmm. there, there is a fear that if we see any kind of doming, that it's going to, it actually means it's bad. It's going to strain the tissue. It's harming the tissue. It's damaging the tissue. When we think of what actually is, is needed to strain that tissue, that tissue needs to be stretched beyond its capacity, beyond its, its stretched limits, that stretching is is certainly something we want to back away from if we see that but there's there are grades and levels of doming mm -hmm. where sometimes you see yep. a little bit of sort of out pocketing but you go and you press your fingers in and it just feels so soft like it there's not there's no stretching there's no mm, pulling of that tissue it's a very soft dome and then there's doming where you see that the whole linea alba sort of been filled out the abdominal yeah. wall is kind of distending outwards and then when you go and you feel that kind of dome it's, it's sort of like this inflated balloon and where you try to go and feel it, it feels quite firm. You can kind of still push inwards, but it's a bit more resistive and, you know, there's more resistance against you pushing down. So that's what we would call a hard dome. And that's an analogy that I got from Anthony Lowe, this inflating mm -hmm. balloon. So there's different levels and grades of doming. And so really when it comes to doming and progressing on with exercises, if they're doing the exercise in a way that it, it shows their the whole abdomen is kind of bulging outwards, the linea alba is doming significantly and it's really being stretched and they cannot at all, even through a change in strategy, a change in core activation, a change in breath, a change in maybe position of how they're doing it, they can't bring it down away from it being fully stretched out, then that's definitely the, the situation that I'd be sort of backing away from. And that's what we would mm -hmm. call straining of the tissue. Whereas if it's just 
if it's just soft and a little bit of doming there, that's not harming the tissue at all. So we want to consider how much doming. Is it excessive? Is it significant? Mm -hmm. And do they have control over that? And then the other two factors are, do they just describe this exercise as being easy? Does it just feel mm -hmm. easy? You know, like uh, they feel like they're doing nothing. And certainly a lot of the earlier level exercises are going to feel easy physically, but mentally, they're going to be really difficult to build up that mind muscle connection. So it's a different kind of difficulty. But when we're talking about progressing through harder, more physically demanding exercises, do they describe this supposedly difficult exercise as easy? Well, that might be a sign that they're doing it well, especially if they're not in pain, and they're not producing doming, and they're not leaking, and they're right. showing. And then we talked about this last one already, but form, like, are they just holding their form, you know, well, during the exercise or halfway through, do they just lose their ability to hold themselves up in that position? So there's kind mm -hmm. of an overall picture of what we're looking at when we're, when we're moving someone forward. And you can see that really the linea alba was just one small factor in the whole presentation. And, mm -hmm. and so the linea alba doesn't really dictate what you can do, what you can't do, how strong you are, how strong you can get. It doesn't really tell mm -hmm. you what you're capable of. It doesn't really tell you what your prognosis is. It just is one thing to look at in the whole picture. And once we just take that one step backwards, we're able to really see what someone is capable of doing and really not be short-sighted by what we're seeing at the linea alba. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that the acronym, the, the letters, it's fantastic. We can put that in the show notes. You're making me realize um, something that you, you both touched on. And we've talked about this a lot, actually, in this podcast and on our platform. But so one of the things that you said is, uh, and you were specifically talking about the linear elbow, but I think this is true, actually, with all the whole body, is that you got to be careful um, using one thing as a, an evaluation tool for how strong you are in other things. So you may be able to, so an example is you might be able to lift this huge box with, you know, you know, 80 pounds in it. You might be able to lift that and you might go, I can lift that pretty easily, but there's a lot of other components. And um, if you're not taking those into account, um, just because you can lift something doesn't mean that you're not potentially injuring yourself somewhere else or something else is overcompensating. I think a lot of times people have muscle groups and other things that are overcompensating to make something happen. And if you're not really in tune with what's going on, you can think, well, I got this. Well, you do, you got it kind of, but your body's doing strange things that are going to injure you long-term to make that happen. And so I just would love to hear your advice to people that don't necessarily, you know, they, they're not coming to you. They're not your patient. They're on their own and they're listening to this and they're going, hmm, am I doing that? Mm -hmm. uh, what's your advice to them to be able to start to recognize this in themselves? And also from the flip side of that is, you know, we talked about these two women or these two different groups. Um, the person that really needs to get a kick in the butt and actually start doing more. <laughs> Like, what's your advice for these people to be able to recognize this and how they should proceed carefully? So when we are helping someone who needs a little bit more of a push, simply by like just explaining to them and, and really 
encouraging them and, and letting them know how well they're doing with what we've already been doing with them and, and the exercises they've been working through, how, how well that they've, they've done them and that they've mastered them now and that they're ready for more. That, that usually is enough for them to want to do more because they see that they're making progress, they're making change and, and they feel good about that. And, and it's just enough momentum to keep things going. And so then if we have someone where they, they may be doing a lot of other, you know, much more difficult and physically challenging exercises. And they, they may just feel, okay, yeah, well, I've got this. I, I don't feel anything. I, I think I'm fine. You know, well, so why don't I just keep doing it? I don't, I don't think there's any reason for me to slow down. So, mm. and you're mm -hmm. asking, what is it that I should be looking for in when I'm doing this, that will let me know if I in fact yes. do need to back off. Cause actually yeah, exactly. a, a lot of people don't need to back off. A lot of people are fine. And a lot of people do need to change how they're doing it. So what is it that separates the two? Cause I, I really don't want to be holding these people back from going further if they're capable and if they're ready and if they're they're that's the next step for them mm -hmm. to the, so that these people can continue to, you know, progress in a much more gradual fashion. I really want to make sure that it, it's, it's quite individual. And so, but the individuals that who are doing a lot more harder core exercises or just full body exercises, what is it that they're looking for to let them know that they can move forward or that they should sort of scale back? I, I think it goes back down to all of those it sort of- back to your yeah. acronym. Yeah, because- mm -hmm. If they are not in pain, if they are not experiencing pressure, now there are, I would say, little asterisks in between for each of these points. Because, yeah, the little the pressure point, you know, if they are not experiencing pressure in the vagina and a worsening of prolapse, well, a lot of women are asymptomatic with who have prolapse. So mm -hmm. they may not even know that they, they have something going on inside. And so always it's better to have everybody if possible, see a pelvic floor physiotherapist for that internal assessment, and they can watch some of the strategies that they're doing when, when they're doing certain exercises. So I acknowledge that it's not always going to be possible to feel the, the pressure piece of it. But when it comes to pain, I'm, you know, we, we either will feel the pain or we won't. So that will be something that, that will let them know if, if that's okay for them. The exercise is fine from a pain perspective. And if they are leaking that's pretty objective as well you know you you either are leaking or you're not and potentially you're not feeling it and afterwards you realize it when you look at your underwear but that still is objective you can see it there mm -hmm. and so it and then the control and and the form and the core strategy so i think when it comes to really what we're discussing here the abdominal wall diastasis the linea alba i think that's really the heart of the matter in this discussion. Mm -hmm. And so what are they looking for? They're looking to see if they are engaging their, their core muscles using a strategy that is probably different from what they have been currently using, which most of the time it's either bracing or gripping and using a different kind of strategy. Again, that promotes the drawing in of the abdomen that promotes that TA muscle from pull to be able to pull in and to really help with pressure 
production and pressure containment, mm -hmm. which we need when we're doing heavier exercises. So are they doing it with the right strategy? So can they, can they watch maybe just lift up their shirt, do the exercise in front of a mirror or put a mirror underneath them if they're, let's say, doing burpees or push-ups or planks, put mm -hmm. a mirror on the side, just watch what you're doing in your core and, and just observe if you're able to draw in fully or does that, is it too hard to even pull in all the way because maybe mm -hmm. that exercise is too hard if you're in a fully front loaded position like a plank or again, push-ups, is it just too difficult in that position for you to do that? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are completely fine and can do it easily. And some people have some difficulty there. So can you do that? Can you do that and not have so much doming? If you have doming, can you bring it away from being full and fully stretched out and at the mm -hmm. extremes? And that's really what I'm, what they can look for is do they have control over their core? So there yeah. are things that are quite easily observed externally that can help them to learn and know if they can, if what they're doing is appropriate for them, if what they're doing maybe is too easy for them and if they can move on from there. Mm -hmm. I've been working on my push-ups lately. Yeah. And um, I'm up to 18. I'm really proud of that. Fantastic. Cool push-ups. That's great. Um, and I started with like three. <laughs> yes. I used to be able to do a ton. Um, I had spine surgery three years ago to replace a badly herniated disc from my childhood. And, um, and my recovery really, um, well, that, that injury decimated my triceps and I've had to fight my way back. And um, I've noticed that a big indicator for me of needing to stop and be done with my set is when I lose control of my core. Right. So, you know, I can, I can keep my transverse engaged and I can keep breathing, but then there's this moment and it used to be after like three or four pushups. And now it's after about 17 or 18, where um, I start catching my breath. I feel like there's more um, outward pressure through my belly button down toward the floor and I'm done. Yeah. I don't necessarily feel it in my chest or my tricep. Right. Um, like, I mean, they get tired and they just stop. <laughs> but, right. but it's my core and my breathing. And I'm so in tune with that, too. I don't think a lot of people are as in tune to that, but man, that's such a good indicator of endurance is what's happening in our core. Chris, did you have another, um, did you have another question for her? Well, I just was thinking, um, you know, as we kind of, as we kind of come to an end, I was just thinking like, you know, I really like where you guys have gone with this. I, I think it's really, really a message we can't say enough where mm -hmm. you have to really be paying attention to all the things. Just like you're talking about with push-ups. Push-ups is such a great example. People start doing push-ups and they like keep doing push-ups until their arms fail. But there's a lot of other components to a body that might fail sooner. Yeah. And uh, if you don't pay attention <laughs> to that, you, um, I mean, it's, I mean, maybe you won't injure yourself. Maybe you will, but you're definitely not paying attention, right? So I just, I guess what I would say is, as we kind of wrap this up, a couple things. Um, first of all, uh, I would love to hear your 60 second, I bump into someone at the grocery store. Actually, I guess you don't bump into them. You socially distance notice them <laughs> from six feet away at the grocery <laughs> store and they're, and, and they're looking for advice. Like, what do you tell them? What's the quick snapshot you tell them if someone's listening to this and they feel like, gosh, that's me, but I'm not sure. Maybe I'm not progressing fast enough. Maybe I am. What should I do? What's the quick snapshot to that? And then I have two more super quick questions after that. 
So the question is what to tell someone if they're not sure if they're, yeah. 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 Um, I would say that the body is strong and resilient and the body is capable of adapting and the body Mm -hmm. will adapt with strengthening. And so I would preface it by explaining that strengthening is good and strengthening is necessary for the core in order for those muscles to get stronger. And so if you are moving along through that, allow yourself to progress onto the next level when it feels easy, when you're doing things without pain, when you're doing things without leaking, without the excessive doming, allow yourself to explore, at least put your foot in that, that water or in the door to see if you can do more with that. Just that same exercise. Is there a way to make it a little bit harder Mm -hmm. and then a little bit harder? You don't have to jump from one exercise to the, like a really really much more advanced level of that exercise you can just do one step at a time baby Mm -hmm. steps if you like or if doing baby steps you you find that this is still too easy then you move on to the next one that still feels like i'm doing it well then go ahead and and move on but at least you have this progression and you can sort of connect those dots in between and so allow yourself to explore just know what you're looking for and for the core look at the strategy look at how much doming look at if you're managing pressure so if you're leaking or if you have um vaginal prolapse and and you're noticing that it's getting worse that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Good and good. I think, I think that this, this whole message of paying close attention, and that's basically that the whole acronym, I mean, that's really trying to get you to look at this from different ways, pay attention. I think that's a message yeah. that we all need to hear because it's easy to kind of get goal oriented and to move past that. And so, which is why if fantastic. I can just add that all of that foundational stuff that they were working on is what helps them progress further. Right. So it's not something right. that you want to skip over because it right. really allows you, you use those skills and things that you've, you've now integrated in your body in the harder things. So it's, right. you use, it's important and you use them later as yeah. well. So good. That's, that's so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Last two things. Uh, we ask everyone this. So um, what is right now, today, your favorite exercise? My favorite exercise is um, I'm trying to work on pull-ups right now. I'm, I'm okay. not pulling up. I can tell you I'm not pulling, but I'm working at the pull-up bar. And I just, I love the pull-up bar. So maybe I can keep it down to like, what is my favorite exercise equipment right now? It's the pull-up bar. So I'm working at and, and developing my strength to one day be able to do that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. That's so good. So Beth is doing push-ups and you're doing pull-ups. That's yeah. fantastic. That's good. Um, okay, I'm working so on this pull-ups is, too, but you're working on pull-ups too. Um, oh man, I'm not. Yeah, we're gonna we're, <laughs> we're 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 going to come out with a, a routine push-up and pull-up prep um, in 2021 oh, yeah, as well. Fantastic. And uh, we tried to film it during our pink workouts, which is why my hair is pink right now because we're our pink color series. Um, <laughs> but we we got we got skunked out by camera angles and lighting and weird like coming through our windows and me being adjusted yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So we, we were going to save that one. Yes. Yeah. It's coming. It's coming. Keep, keep your eye out for that. Well, this has been so fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Um, the last thing that I wanted to ask is you've got tons of experience resources. Where's the best place. We'll put this in the show notes too, but where's the best place that people can find you? 
The best place would be probably through Instagram. Instagram mm -hmm. is where I'm most active and I, I'll, I post pretty regularly there. And through That's there, good. there's a link to my website and my website has tons of free resources. There's a resource guide for uh, women who have, I actually have it right here. This was not planned, but it just happens to be here actually. There's a resource guide for women that have diastasis. Um, mm -hmm. There's a resource guide for professionals as well. Um, yes, and then definitely. there are, um, there's an online course that I've just come out with, as we were talking about earlier, for professionals who want to learn more about diastasis and where they can become informed, updated, educated on just mm -hmm. new ideas, how to progress. I provide Very new good. ideas and insights and a new framework to use how to exercise. I go from beginning to beginner level to like CrossFit style, like how to bridge that gap again. Um, and so you can find that all on my website, but you can kind of get there through my Instagram. Awesome. So you will put it in the show notes, but you need to check out the website. Definitely follow on Instagram. You know, it's like, follow, share, just do it make it happen. So, mm -hmm. so thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank for you, Manira. Time with us today. Thank, thank you, you Manira. So this has been fantastic. Me. You guys definitely need to check out and follow. If you're not uh, subscribed to this podcast and you happen to have found this because someone shared it or whatever, you need to subscribe right now because we have tons of episodes with amazing guests and information just like Manira and there's lots more to come. So definitely do that. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Hi, everybody. All right, that's a wrap, friends and fans. Be sure to check out the links attached to this episode and subscribe to Fit to Be Radio on iTunes. Oh, and remember those workouts we mentioned in the show? You can access them all on fittobe.com if you join as a member. I recommend premium access. It's the best deal. We'd also appreciate your follows, likes, comments, and shares on Instagram at Fit to Be Studio, on Facebook at Fit to Be Tummy Safe Fitness, and on Twitter at Fit to Be. Oh,